Hola. Welcome, everyone. It's been a good long while. Uh, unfortunately, we do not have Gerald here with us because this was um, very last minute. It was actually me taking Chewy and beating him across the face saying, hey, come do this on my podcast. And he was like, fine, stop beating on me. I only do the, the whipping on Tuesdays. Well, thankfully, uh, in the year <laughs> 2191, it is a Tuesday. <laughs> and if you catch that reference, listeners, we're going to be talking about Dune, specifically Denis Villeneuve's uh, 2001. <laughs> what? You the fuck out of that shit. What, what was it supposed to say? Dennis didn't feel no wave. Fucking with you, Dennis villain waves. Uh, <laughs> two thousand one Dune Part One. So, and I don't want to hear shit about spoilers because there's already been fucking two fucking TV miniseries and a goddamn movie from the eighties. So just get the fuck over it. <laughs> uh, so Chewy is uh, referencing to the 1984 um, Dino De Laurentiis' Dune, which is the uh, my first exposure to it other than the book that I read in middle school. And yeah, then there was... Yeah, Lynch is, was the director on that one. Yeah, David Lynch. And you you had... Uh, and hold this in your mind, because I'm, I'm not going to have the acuity for it at the moment. But from yes, you've had way too much spice today. <laughs> By La Kaifa. Anyways, <laughs> but but you, uh, I want you to hold this in your mind uh, until it comes up. But you remember me? You remember you asking me about the body horror in the Lynch version? I want you to remember that for later. Okay. Well, David Lynch has always had this weird obsession with body horror. It's in every movie he makes. Yeah. So, so there was the Lynch and uh, De Laurentiis version of Dune that came out in '84. Uh, Sci-Fi did a miniseries, two miniseries. Uh, yep. The first was Dune, then the second one encompassed Dune Messiah and Children of Dune. Yeah, I own both yeah. of those. Plus, I good. own. The, they're good. So each. So I'm I'm just going to lead off with this. Each has their own very good points. My my thing is Villanueva's Dune is the best adaption so far. It's for sure the fucking prettiest. It's the prettiest and it's the most accurate. Well, I won't say it's the most accurate. Have you read the book? No. But I have a a wife that on like every two years or so she rereads like all of them. She starts okay. on Dune and then disappears for like six months and then she goes through all twelve books or whatever the fucking number is. It's more uh, it's more than twelve, but I think I think okay, so it was Dune Not counting the prequels. Right. So it was Dune, Dune Messiah. Children of Dune, God Emperor of God Dune, Emperor. Heretics, Heretics uh, and then Chapter House, I think, was the last one. So it's five that 
Herbert himself wrote. Right. And, and, and then, then Brian, his son wrote some abominations for prequels to give backstory on characters that were just, everybody went, ah, fuck that shit. Actually, I, I read the Dune House, I read the, the three Dune House books, and they, they were, I liked them. I did, because it told us where Gurney came from. Like, he came from the slave pits of Giddy Prime, where... Yeah, that's why he hates Harkin so much. Yeah, where Raban whipped him with a, some kind of plant that gave him that whip vine scar across his chin. And then also we learn of Duncan's training on the uh, archipelago of the Swordmasters of Ganaz. And that was glorious too, because that was that was like a a full spectrum training. Like the first island was learning philosophy. Right. And it was and it wasn't until you know people started crying after reading of something that they closed the book and they were like, all right, you can go on to the next island. And then that was learning empty hand. And yeah, it, it was awesome. Like I can see it now because I read these 15 years ago. Right. I can see it. I can see it now that Brian was just going for a cash grab, but some of those, some of those were worth that cash grab. Well, the reason why I'll say the De La New probably isn't the best incarnation, I will say it is the best cinematic incarnation of a movie. I will have to give it to the Sci-Fi Channel's miniseries. Character-wise, they're more accurate. Because Skarsgård's interpretation of the Baron is very good and is far better than the scene chewing one that was in the 1980s one. <laughs> but fucking Norm from Cheers knocks it out of the goddamn park. Wait, that no, I, I thought that was I thought that was the guy who was uh, Ace Ventura's guide in the second Ace Ventura movie. No, that is Norm from fucking Cheers. All right, hang on, I gotta I gotta see this because. And and one of and one of my other friends who's been on the podcast before when we were talking about uh, Constantine, mm-hmm. we had we had a discussion about this. And a- anyone who knows Dune hates the nineteen eighty four incarnation yeah. of of Baron Harkonnen because he's, a- as my friend put it, a a giggling comic book villain. Yeah. And then and then to come back to the body horror thing, like what you had brought up in one of the previous podcasts about was that body horror shit in the book. Yeah, the whole heart plug thing wasn't in the book and the Baron was not like he was huge, he was hedonistic, he gave into his vices, he was a big guy, but he didn't have this weird scar across the fucking boils and pustules on his face. No, he and didn't. And he, you know, yes, he was homosexual. Very. But he wasn't, you know, fucking people in an open heart valve to death. No, but he did like fucking boys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And 
I don't I don't know if there was in any I, I don't remember it from the book, but I think Vladimir had kind of a tiny heart on for Fade. Oh yes. He beautiful fade. Lovely fade. Fade. Yes. Yeah. So wanted to fuck Fade in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so as someone who's read the the prequels that were actually worth their money, it was actually and spo- <clears throat> excuse me, spoilers for listeners who haven't read the prequels. If you haven't and you want to know, turn back now. If you haven't, but you don't care and you want to learn now, continue listening. So did you know that Vladimir Harkonnen is Jessica's grandfather? Yes, that was explained not in the prequels, but actually that's brought up in the sci-fi miniseries. She's told about it and she about has a total fucking shit fit. Because she wasn't you know, told her lineage by the Bene Jesuit. You know who her grandmother was? No, I honestly don't know that. That would be Gaius Helen Moham, Reverend Mother and Truth Sayer to the Emperor. Oh. And it was Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Moham that gave Baron Vladimir Harkonnen his corpulent disease when he raped her after she came back asking for a second child because the first one failed. Yep, and that's why he's always getting spice treatments and shit. I'm getting shot. No, no, that's because no. He's getting spice treatments because he lived on Arrakis and put Anyone who partakes of the spice is forever addicted to it. Right. Which is why the spice must flow. But no, the reason he is fat, he is as fat as he is, is because when he was raping the Reverend Mother, she unleashed a virus into him because the Bene Gesserit have such control of their bodies that they can use the voice or make just one muscle on their finger twitch or move with superhuman speed. What well, what looks like superhuman speed, but they just have that tight of a control over their body that they can. Yeah. Basically the mini Jesuit are the Jedi of this fucking series. <laughs> uh... Oh, come the fuck on. They are. <laughs> so 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 to so to respond to that I have to say that Star Wars is just a knockoff of Dune. Yes. It's a knockoff of Dune, The Seven Samurai, Akira Kurosawa and all the other stuff that Lucas was reading at the time because the book Dune was published in 1965. Oh Star yeah, it's Wars, old as fuck. Yeah, Star. Well, Starship Troopers I think is older than Dune, but that's a different that's a different podcast to talk about that because I've got a lot of thoughts on that one as well. But yeah, Star uh, Dune came out in 65. Star Wars the first one came out in 77. Then what, like 85, and then 87 for Return of the Jedi or some shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, 
and, no, and Star Wars I, I, came out in 78. Seven, came oh, out the year I was yeah. born. Yeah. Summer but, of 78. But Dune, Dune was published and yeah. in, in print long before Star Wars might have ever been conceived of. And right. so there, there, there are foundational series like Dune, like... Yeah, it's like Dune, John Carter of Mars... There are certain sci-fi books that have built genres off of. Not to say what? Yeah, what? I was wondering if there was some Harkonnen interference in our communications. Uh, it's a magnetic moon, sir. It's interfering with everything. Fucking everything up. Magnetic moon. Mm. All right, so what was I talking about? Uh, we were in the middle of talking about when, how there have been kind of like touch tones of fiction yes, that yes, have yes, inspired yes. things. Like I was mentioning John Carter of Mars and you know, we're saying how Mars John Carter of Mars and Dune, these are like touchstones for other ideas that weren't exactly you know, outright the same thing, but they're kind of the same wheelhouse and not outright play they're different enough to be interesting, but they're not outright play driven. David? Okay, keep talking. I'm doing something here here for a second. Uh, okay. Um, I enjoyed the movie. Um, there are certain things that I really, really missed from the 1980s version of the movie, like some of the internal monologue that everybody seems to fucking hate, I really kind of enjoyed. Because I don't like the fact that, you know, they say some stuff out loud in Fremen that just doesn't really fit into a conversation. Like, you know, there's the whole sand crawler thing where, you know, she says some shit, which was the takeoff from the movie. Yellow. Hello. Sorry, so we're disregarding the previous thing we, re we recorded because I had to go check for food. <laughs> So okay. what did we what did we leave off on? Uh, hang on, I'm restringing headphones. Can you hear me, sir? Yes. Are you living in a Fallout Four universe? Because that's the game I'm playing right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. okay. I don't know what. You're... Thing cut off where I was babbling earlier about stuff. Uh, I think, okay, so I had said that I think Fade Routha should be played by Stellan's 
son. Bill. Gun, right. Right. And, yeah. And, yeah, then, yeah. and you were like, well, is that the guy that played Pennywise or, or what? And I was like, well, I'm not sure. That's just what I saw. And if, if Bill's a good actor, then maybe because, uh, Okay, so should we should we delve into likes and dislikes about the previous before we start talking about the current? Well, it, it's been kind of a flow so far. I mean, my favorite movie is the new one by far. There are certain yes. things about the new one that I miss from the 1980s one that everybody bitches and complains about. Okay, let's let's talk about that because I have some of my own as someone who's read the book. Okay. I miss I understand the original movie was slower than Dick. I mean it, it the pacing on yeah. the original movie is bad. You're I not mean, wrong. It goes <laughs> You're not wrong. Okay. But I think this movie is missing one quintessential element that you get from that movie, which was translated kind of well from the books. And that's some of the internal monologues. Ah, see that's, that's actually something that I like from the 1984. That's actually carried into my own writings. And that, that friend that I spoke of when I, when I brought that up, he was like, Oh, thank God they didn't have that in there. Well, some people just absolutely hate you. A lot of people want, you know, show me, don't tell me. But you can't really convey the complete internal thoughts somebody is having with a look. And they do a lot of the, they take a lot of the liberties with the flashbacks for Paul to get rid of a lot of his monologues because, oh God, did he have so many. Okay, but so there's wait. certain places you wait. can't get rid of some of these internal monologues, like the first time Paul meets Liette, and Liette goes, oh, it's fitted for desert running. You've worn a steel suit before. No. Well, someone showed you. Oh, no, it just seems the proper way to do it. And he has an internal thought of the Benny Jesuit legends and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. Okay, you can't so... really convey that. So what they do in the new movie is she says something in Fremen. In Chakopsa, that he will know your ways as if born to them. Yeah. Right. That was... I didn't like that. Well, okay, so that was the original Liet's inner monologue. So right. So, like, when, when Max Sidow inspects... Um, what's his fucking nuts? The guy who plays Paul's boots, he was like, well, they're fitted for desert fashion, and Paul was like, well that's how I thought it was supposed to be. Then you hear the inner monologue of Max Sidow saying he will know your ways as if they were born on, you know, as if they were born to him. Right. It, it's it, it. Okay. So in, in a sense, I can see how my friend has the dislike for that, but then I can also see it carried over into the new movie. So instead of, but the thing Leah. is, why would you say that out loud? Or the ornithopters flapping? 
I mean, no, the machines weren't running yet. She was still fitting everybody's suits, and then she sees him, da 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 da, da. And then she oh. says it out loud, and they actually put text up on the screen for you to read. Because yeah, it's in a different language. But my yeah, thing is, and they do it again at the the sandworm crawler attack. When the when the worm actually bite takes in the the spice harvester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so in the original movie, everything was so fucking loud that when Kynes was saying the prayer to Shai Halud, Leto only barely heard him. Right. And uh, so, God damn it! I was wanting to say something. The cast maker in his water. Well, <laughs> he Dennis did a lot of things better than what Lynch did. Like you remember when Jessica inspected the the house the house maidens. Yeah, and and Jessica taught, like focused on Shedot, and she was like, "I know you have a weapon on you." And then you see her move her hand down and do like some knuckle moving. Yeah, the sign language stuff. Yeah, that the the sign language and battle language has a big big role in the book. So I'm at first I was like, why the fuck is she sign languaging to him? And then when they were in the, Oh, that's what it was. The ornithopters sold me right off the bat. Oh, you so like, like, when they, like when they left Caladan and landed on Arrakis and they climbed into the ornithopters and I saw the six wings just go. And then I was like, I'm sold. Fuck anything else. This is the shit. Cause that's how it was in the book. Well, I, I like a lot of the things they did. Stylistically, I like every pretty much every choice he made stylistically. He leaned into, yes, this is a desert planet. Yes, this is basically everything Herbert pulled for the book is pretty much out of Muslim Middle Eastern culture all the way down to the fucking language. Uh, Lisan al Gaib and Wadib and Bailak Ifa. Yeah, yeah, probably. Probably. And I've actually read one or two articles where they uh they chastise him for that. And right. And I'm thinking, well, you know, if I had not read this book, you know, being born of a nation that's major you know, majority Christian. Right, being being born to Christian parents, I'd have never, I'd have probably never known outside of school what a jihad or a lisan al gaib or you know any any of that stuff, you know, in that flavor of Middle Eastern influence. I would have never known anything about that because what what impact does that have on my present day goings on and goings about? You know, it's like like all these all these people that are like, oh, we we need diversity, this diversity, that, and and it's all. And I'm, I might I might be about to go out go off on a tirade here, so forgive me. <laughs> Hurry, someone get the rope. Time down. 
we need diversity, but not for white people, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, not, not everybody needs to know about, you know, white people history, but sometimes it's interesting. It's interesting to learn about other histories and, you know, people who are of a curious nature, they'll, they'll go off and learn about them. Like I, like I learned about Egyptian, Greek, Roman, Norse mythology. Yeah, but those are all white. <laughs> Greek, Roman, Norse, all white. But our Greek Egyptians Roman. high yellow, so you know you can get away with that. Mm, I, I think Egyptians were more <laughs> brown than you think. Oh yeah, well yeah. I, I, I'm just making the Jesus joke. You know, if Jesus, you know, to quote Christopher Titus. If Jesus had showed up in the middle in the middle of the Middle East looking this color, they would have done a lot. They would have nailed his ass up a lot sooner. Mm. And if Jesus showed up as he actually was today, he'd probably get hung. Something very something, much. Something. Yeah. <sighs> but I, I guess that also plays into the politics of Dune itself. But that's. I guess unless I go off on a tangent, that's not what I want to really talk about. Right. Right um, now we're just discussing the movie pros and cons to the series and the movies that came before yeah. it. And so, what you take yes. away from each section. I have a question. Do you think that you need to have watched everything before it if you haven't read the books to get a, a good appreciation for what they've done here? Or does it stand good by itself? I huh, fun, funny you funny you ask that because I found uh, if you if you hadn't seen it on our on our group chat I found the best bonk meme, and it was of the Reverend Mother putting a, a small baseball bat up to Paul's neck, saying, "I hold at your neck the bonk Jabbar," and then it's her with the with the doge face put your hand in the box what's in the box horny and then the next frame is paul with the with the horny tongue out and cheeks blushing okay it's uh, here i'll send it to you but I, i find it literally the the superior horny meme and uh i posted this in a in a book club i'm in and uh, the person said, "Oh, the movie was the most." Uh, what? He he was he was acting like a fucking like a snob. Like okay. he probably he'd probably say this this independent movie from some Nigerian film company was the best movie ever written. But Dune was like excruciatingly boring. <sighs> It was. He said something like that. It was excruciatingly boring, but I love the book. Oh, uh, okay. And and I I haven't really responded back to him because I I have a feeling he hasn't actually read the book. He's just saying that to be edgy because I I posted something about Dune. But uh, so. Honestly, Dennis's interpretation, you would need to know of things to get to get the most impactful experience from it. 
And I've, okay, so I say that, but, I, and I've also said this about other movies on its face. It's a great movie. Right. It, like you said, it's visually stunning. It's got, it's got the catches, the hooks and everything. And I actually really love that they brought up Lee to uh, Paul's grandfather having died from being gored by a bull like that that was a a common string like every like almost every time you see paul look up there's the matador and the bull right and that was a big thing because actually and it's this this is the simulation because it's reusing code like leto's father leto's grandfather's name was paul right and, and Paul Paul's child will be is Leto. Is Leto, yeah, yeah. So it's reusing code, but it's it's just one of those it's one of those things that it, it you know it's simulations winking at us. And yeah, so I I, li- I liked that whole string through the entire movie where you know your grandfather, you know, your dad took choices and your dad did this and that. And I want to go with the advance party with Duncan. It's like, well, yeah, well, my yeah. dad, my dad died. Yeah. He was gored by a bull because of this, that, and the other thing. It, it was, there are, there are things in, in the 2021 Dune that, you know, you know, like I said, I cried six times watching it because it was that good, but I'm, I'm, also someone who's read Dune semi-religiously for the last 20 years. Right. Well, like I said, I miss a few of the inner monologues. My wife was making some odd comments about the, uh, the casting of kinds and well, the Chinese can't, you know, she was like trying to say something that I want. Well, how is that her daughter and blah 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 blah? And I was like, um. yeah, yeah. So I at first I had a similar uh, thing about Kynes being cast as a black woman, which is what it is because in both in both the movie and the miniseries, Kynes was a, a white man. Not in the miniseries. Was he black in the miniseries? Middle Eastern. Yeah, well, okay, but not black. Black, brown, whatever, you know. Yeah, but my, but that not friend, neon white. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, but that, but that friend gave me this really good trick. So, <coughs> so uh, us as hardcore Dune fans would assume that the the white male Liet Kynes fought his way up to being the quote unquote Fremen leader. Right. So he, he's in charge of all the Fremen. Plus he's the Imperial planetologist, the judge of the change and this, that, and everything else. Who's to say that a, a black woman couldn't do it. And I was like, Oh shit, you're right. That well, makes sense. Uh, my wife's idea was far worse than that. <laughs> oh, it was, and I I love her to death, but it made no sense to me. But she went on a uh, a, a, a color grading scale. Well, 
she couldn't have had her because she's far too light skinned. <laughs> I went, what? <laughs> no, honey, it, 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 it's a mixing thing. It's possible for a dark skinned black person to have a light skinned child. Oh, oh okay. she's screaming at me from the other room, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Well, my my phone decided to close what? on itself. I love you. That ain't gonna do nothing. <laughs> and now my wife's trying to explain that the actor playing Johnny is Hispanic, so there's no. It's just a brown person. There's no. I don't see. Zoe, uh, what's her down, damn name? Zen, Zendaya. Zendaya. I don't see her ethnicity in the overallness of the show. I just see her as a person with a tan who lives on a desert planet. <laughs> yeah. If you uh-huh. want to be on the podcast, come in here. Yeah, Quit yelling is, at me. She is more than welcome to yeah, bring her out here. Bring her out here. Oh, no, she doesn't want to come. But anyway. But she's going to make her point by screaming at me. But it's okay. But yeah, uh, her name is Zendaya Marie Stormer Coleman. That faces an entire culture designed for a planet and say, let's change it to a black woman. It's not that I heard that she's black. Can you hear her? Yeah, I can hear it's that she didn't freaking. You messed with Dr. Collins. You messed with Liet. is the reason that they had all the scores of water to begin with. That wasn't changed in the movie. Yes, it was. It became something that was already underground because of the uh, ecological thing that the previous week people had said. Uh, okay, so so she's she's bringing up a good no. point. Because the the, the, the whole reason the Fremen believe what they believe about changing the planet. Yes, and Liette right. said that you know that's what she wanted to do. So, <laughs> well, okay. So to be fair, for for those of us who are fans of the who are fans of the series. Honey, do you, do you want to be on this or you just want to talk over it? Okay, go away then. Yes, dear. Bye now. Okay, David, continue what you were trying to say Why I don't have my wife raging behind me now. Chewy, you're such an asshole. Yes. <laughs> She's she's not wrong though because in in the book Kynes is severely tied to all of everything that's happening on Arrakis because it was his father and his grandfather who were trying to and again spoilers for anyone who hasn't read the book if you're listening this far then it, it's your own damn fault um, they were they were turning the South Polar region into lush green greenery that's why like when you when you hear that you know the south polar region is forbidden there's no satellites there the fremen have been paying a spice bribe to 
the guild keeps keep satellites out of the way to keep satellites out of there because they're trying to turn dune into a lush green planet right and and that was something that happened in the in in this first part of the movie that should have been held over to the second was when they brought Jessica Paul uh you know Chani and Duncan into a a catch area where they were storing water that should have been well, saved and they didn't they didn't do that they brought them to an ecological center where you know they're trying to talk about the water underneath everything but they didn't actually show them the catch deposits mm-hmm. where okay. yeah. the solder okay. car attack attacked them that they didn't actually get to that part where they you know yeah, okay. Liet is you know kind is just you know telling them about you know this was the plan to turn you know bring the water up and then they figured out the spice was the most powerful thing in the world. And then they're like, Oh no, we're not allowing y'all to do that. So that was a slight change. Yeah, but it's it's, okay. So the way, the way you say it, I can understand. Now your wife is after you. That, that is a slight change, but it's not entirely off the mark because <coughs> because we don't have the iconic scene of Paul and, and Cheney looking into a catch Ooh, reserve. Right, and then, a giant, and then, massive lake underneath the mountain. And then her asking to tell her about the waters of his home world. But again, that was, that was 84 Dune. But um, well, I will that's say... even done in the um, the tell me of the, the waters of your planet is even done in the uh, sci-fi thing. I think we lost connection. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. Obliviation. I will permit the beer to pass over me and through me. Anyways, so what were we talking about? Is your mic muted, good sir? I heard something there. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Like I said, stop sending me those coded messages. I don't need them. I'm not sending coded messages. Why do I keep hearing Morse code with battle language? I don't know. But again, that's a... Yes, I can... Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> good. So I remember mentioning the moving of the knuckles. Like yeah, at the, first uh, when 
Go ahead. The sign language speak. That that was something definitely in the book. What what kind of what kind of threw me off, but gave me a smile, was that the Sardaukar have their own language too. Like when oh, before I even bring that up, what's the biggest thing missing from the twenty twenty one movie that's that wasn't missing in nineteen eighty fours or the sci fi movie? The spacing guild. That's true, but to be fair, the and uh, the emperor. Also, to be fair, but that's th- those were never seen in the first part of the book, anyways. No, there's something even more important that's missing. Um. Okay, hit me. The mentat. No, there's mentats all through this movie. Yeah, but they're never explained that they're mentats. So th- this was something that my my friend had expressed a displeasure for. Like when, when I was watching it and then I saw through This is the eyes same go, guy that was like, oh, thank God there's no internal monologue, but he's bitching that they didn't do a fucking mansplaining of this is a mentat. They're a human computer. They take drugs to make their mind faster. Actually, yes. <laughs> funny you mention it that way but like really the the only inference we get of it in the 2021 movie is when leto asks how it how much it cost for this emperor's delegation to come here and then you see his eyes go white and he talks about how it was like 162 million solaris for you know whatever so then as someone who is a fan they will recognize that tiny little blue lipstick mark. imprint. Yeah, that blue mark on the lip is the Mentat. And you never hear either Raban or Vladimir call Piter by his name in this new movie. Like, we just assume he's a Mentat because he's got the blue lip mark. He has no eyebrows, no hair. Which right. I assume, which I assume, because Piter was a twisted mentat in the book, he came from uh, Ix. It was you no know, Benny. No Benny Tylax was where the mentats were trained, and then I think Ix was the machine world where they twisted mentats for people like the Baron. And. <laughs> A lot of people have complained without there, there's the, the juice isn't there. The stains on the lips aren't there. The eyebrows or the, the crazy fucking hair. Yeah. Cause it was, it was interesting. So like the Benny Gesserit and Lynch's Dune were bald, bald. with some, with bald, with some kind of weird uh, nun habit. And then in the sci-fi one, they had fucking Jew curls and big ass hats. Right. Or I, I don't want to say Jew curls derogatively. I just don't know what they're called. Payas. In payas. Okay, so they had like big flamboyant payas down their ears, plus the right. big white wide brim southern bell 
summertime hats and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So going, so you, you bring up that they don't bring the spacing guild into it. it the spacing guilds in the book, they're never really, really brought into it till the end. Right. It's Lynch's version where you, you actually see a navigator, which is never actually seen in the book. Now, Lynch's navigator was very, very, very grotesque. Right. Well, technically, in the new, bo- in the new movie, you do see the Spacing Guild, because when they say when they're landing, it, I can't believe they sent... How much did, you know, we're talking about the cost, you know, there's yeah. four spacing guild members and blah, 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 one navigator and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, if you are, look how are... everybody's lined up when they come out of the ship, you'll see like four guys in a complete helmet holding scepters. Yeah, yeah. like I'm assuming that was at, the spacing at, guild. Yeah, probably. Either because... that or the guy with like the ram's head recurve horns on the side of their helmets, one or the other with the navigators. I don't know. Well, definitely for the spacing guild, they would they would have to have a constant input of spice, and and that's also explained in in the prequel stories because some some random character in the prequel stories goes to test for the spacing guild. Well, two of them do. One fails. The other becomes a navigator eventually, and. Um, to be fair, I like the sci-fi version Navigator over the Lynch Navigator because I don't want to hear politics and skullduggery coming out of a talking vagina. Uh, well, uh, my thing with all this is I really think this is a very good interpretation of the movie. I think some of it has a few pacing issues. Nowhere as bad as the fucking David Lynch one, but dear God. All right, tell me like tell the, me about these tell me about these pacing issues. I wanted it to be longer. I don't know if it's because I wanted more time with the characters personally but yes. you know it's a two and a half hour movie i like how they opened up and gave breathing space for some of the characters in the film it's like uh-huh. you understand duncan more because of the time they gave him for his character none of that is in the original movie no you that's duncan- really not that much <laughs> in the sci-fi spot except for the whole meeting of Stillguard, which is out of the sci-fi. I knew that from the sci-fi series because Duncan brings Stillguard to meet the Duke. And there's the whole spitting scene. Yeah. What I, yeah, well, what I like about this is it's kind of a good marriage between updating the original movie and then also pulling some of the really nice bits out of the sci-fi series. So you get a more rounded movie. Yeah. But I really think like any large bounding series or 
dense tome of information, it's very hard to convey this in one film. Which is why there's a part two coming. Well, I'm not even talking about the part two. I'm talking about the section which we are at right now. If you watch the sci-fi Manny series, the first one, mm-hmm. I think it was six or seven hours, or it's a it's a couple hours long. It's eight hours. Yeah. I, I know because I own it. Because there were scenes where they added a few things, like where they get away from the Harkonnens and this, set and the other. And I'm going, wait a minute, while I'm watching the movie, I'm going, well, where's the fight scene where they split them up and he runs and meets Chani? And okay, well, oh, it's a little later here. They're yes. in the longer. Before they run into the Fremen and all the other good jazz. I, I like what they did. I really, I think it's a, probably the best interpretation to film. I like the it fact they spin, they show some of the technology to oh, that gets past the shield tech. Uh, that that was okay. I'm glad you brought that up because that that was one inaccuracy from the book. So. I'm I'm pretty sure like you're talking about the the Harkonnen assault on Arakeen where you see these slow dropping like drop looking things that spin through the shield and then blow the thing up underneath it, right? Well in the eighty four or in the old movie it was basically a screw bullet. I mean <sighs> that's how Duncan got killed. They shot a bullet, it hits the shield. You literally see edges on the outside of the bullet, which grip and then drill into the shield and kill Duncan. Yeah, that that's not how he died in in the book. Uh, even even Momoa's uh, last stand, it's good, but that's not how it happened in the book. Right. But the the shield thing was the 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 first i think the first one of the first big ones that caught me was when leto woke up and left the bed and found mapes on the floor yeah with the little the thing that they shot him with the drill slowly defeated the shield drilled in and paralyzed him nah, yeah yeah he he didn't even reach his shield in time in the book oh, he turned his, like oh okay he, well in the movie he, he went ahead and turned it on before he investigated it Oh yeah, I know. I, I I watched it twice in one day. I I know. When I saw that happen, I was like, "That's not how it happened in the book. How the fuck are they going to do this shit?" And then he sees Mapes, sees the dagger in her chest, and then that's when Yui shoots the the thing. And what what kind of got me was, all right, so it's digging into the shield. So why can't he just whip around 180 degrees real quick and have centrifugal force flat, you know, shoot that thing off into the wall? Well, but I guess I guess it's Holtzman stuff, and you know, once once it gets shot and then it it starts digging in, you either have to shut the shield off and take it, or wait for it to go through the shield and take it. Well, something. it's like Momoa in his final scene got shot with one. And the only reason why it didn't get him is he literally took his weapon and deflect like 
hit it. No, that yeah, that wasn't his final scene. That was him trying to aid their egress from Arakeen. Yeah, they right, shot right, him. In right, the, right. They shot him in the stomach, and he he like went back. He saw it. He took the blade and was like, "Eh, fuck you," and then went on to to keep being awesome because that's what Jason Momoa is. Yeah. So what I'm figuring is like, yeah, oh, we're going to get into some weeds here, but you know, I'm saying it's probably got like a magnetic propulsion system that keeps it pressed up against whatever it's pressed up against. So long as you have four momentum, even if you spin there, there's nothing, you still have something pushing into you. So the, there's no way you could have spun. There's no way you could spin fast enough to overcome the forward propellant type thing. According to agriculturexprt.com. Alexa, be quiet. (laughs) I was going to say centrifugal force. Because that's essentially what keeps us on this giant water and rock spaceship hurtling through the universe. No, gravity keeps us on here. Centrical, centrical force would throw us off of the planet if we didn't have gravity. That's what keeps well, water it, inside of a bucket that's just spinning because it pushes it out. And when it's at 180 well, degrees above your head, there's enough force pushing the water up that the pail holds it until it comes around. All right, sir. Well, if you're going to keep bringing your facts into this podcast, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to. Uh, I'm going to have to let you continue. But yeah, so, you know, I, I guess it could be something like that, like a, a, a magnetic pole or something or some kind of shield harmonic vibration or something. But in the book, Leto didn't activate his shield fast enough. Right. So Yui, Yui got him in the neck with the trank dart. Right. Which is nice. the older movie does that. Yeah. Now the uh, another interesting thing about the new movie was they made Yui a Chinese man who spoke Mandarin. Mm. Well, now, just, you know, I don't. I didn't read the book. I didn't know if Yui had any fucking ethnicity that was given to him by the originators of the creation. He he really didn't, uh, but there was also, at least in this half of the book, there was more interaction with Yui, and it was more of those uh, dialogues like you like from the 84 version, kind of like what Yui did in the 84 version, but there was more to it than that. But I was also happy to see, do you remember some people opening those tiny little what looked like... Uh, um, the ho- the small little. Ho- oh yeah, the basically the the Fremen Quran. Well, so. <laughs> well, I also found it interesting. Even Gurney all, had one. Yeah, well, it's called an Orange Catholic Bible in the book. That was the Orange Catholic religion was the. Or is the religion of the Imperium mm. probably probably touted by the Bene Gesserit because you know that that's kind of the shit that they do. 
Right. But yeah, I was I was actually kind of excited to see a bunch of people reading Orange Catholic Bibles. In fact, there's a a very pivotal scene in the book where um, Huey gives Paul his wife's Orange Catholic Bible and tells him to look up a a passage that he had marked, but Paul looks up the passage his wife had marked and read it. And that just, you know, inflamed the guilt of Yui that much more. And that was something else. The 84 movie did better was in inflaming the guilt that Yui had of betraying house Atreides because he had the Sukh Imperial conditioning as evidenced by the diamond tattoo. Um, I know this is a left turn, but there is one thing that I really hated about the Dune, the new movie. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't in the original, but it was in the the series. And that's uh, Kynes' death. Oh, Kynes' death was totally fucking wrong. Yeah, I know. Uh, Kynes was uh, fed to the desert and died in a spice blow in the series. And that's actually how it happened in the book. He, like, they dropped him off in the middle of the desert, and he was having a conversation with his dead father. He fell into a pre-spice mass, and then the spice mass blew, and he sunk down into it. Yeah. Right. I, that was another one that I was not happy with for the new movie. Like there, like at that point in the book, there was no mention of even being able to call worms and ride them. That didn't happen until Paul was initiated into the Fremen culture. Mm. But it was okay. So after, so again, spoilers for those who haven't seen it, you probably, you should have by now. Um, I, I am glad that please go watch this movie. So it, in theaters, so it makes some fucking money, so they'll make the rest of it. I, that's well, the first I, thing I when it opened, and the first like four minutes of the film rolled, and I'm sitting there next to my wife. I really went. I really hope people watch this movie, so it makes its fucking money, so they will make the next one. Because if it doesn't make its money, they're going to they're they they will do something to get out of it. And when oh. them releasing it to HBO Max, it's already got its fucking, you know, one hand tied behind its back. I agree yeah. this film should be seen in a theater. This is a cinematic feast for the eyes. It's gorgeous. Mm. Well, I, I watched it sitting in my gamer chair because I had spent the month or we spent the money on getting HBO Max. But yes, I would also agree. Watch it in the full DTS, all, all the speakers and everything. I didn't need that. Cause I've got Delta eight. So I get all the speakers already. Well, but I was originally yes. going to take my wife to a major metropolitan area and watch it in IMAX, but <clears throat> she wasn't feeling well. So I took her to my local theater and we watched on the piddly ass little screen they have there. But well, this is a movie you just, it's like watching Lord of the original Lord of the Rings. You I, wanted to be I exposed watched, to that in a theater. I watched all three of them in theater. Yes. Yeah. There's just certain films that the theater experience 
you know, other than being around a hundred other motherfuckers that you don't know and are uncomfortable in the seat and, you know, people are fighting over the armrest, watching it on the big screen is, you know, it's just outstanding. Yeah. Uh, so a, a article that popped up on my swipe left Google information thing said that Dune has already made 300 million in revenue. And that Good. was like last week. Good. And they've already green lit the second part, which I'm glad of because we definitely need to see Timothy Chalamet fight whoever they have as Fade Routh and shove that dagger up into his skull. Yeah. But um, so, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk let's talk the differences. And I think I was before the food came. I was about to bring up one of the key things that I don't I know that the 84 film didn't bring up and I don't think the miniseries brought up it was when uh, Jessica was inspecting the maidens and she came she came up to uh, the Shadot mapes yeah with the, the dagger yeah and she was like I, I know you have something on you and that's when you see Jessica put her hand down and do a hand signal be ready for danger and Mapes is like, it yes, I have. It wasn't really in the 84. It was in Children of Doom. When yeah, well, Shaddam's uh, daughter sits down with the Benny Jesuit mother while they're politely speaking, they're having a, a subterfuge conversation with their hands. Well, okay, so in in the book, Herbert makes a big thing of battle language and hand signs like even like even past this point in the movie when gurney comes back into paul's life paul yeah. still uses the hand signs and and the non nonverbal communications just like it, just like it was yesterday so yes right. the hand signs and all that is a very big thing in the book. And then a, a, another thing that friend uh, mentioned was the verbal duel between Paul and a, I don't, this is the part where I'm fuzzy and I don't remember if it was a local. I thought he had a, 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 a tit for tat with the Benny Jesuit mother on Caliban for the hand in the box thing. Yeah, well, that that's definitely. I thought there was a, a a power struggle there that he lost. He didn't lose it. So, so the box of pain that 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 happened in the book. Uh, Lynch Lynch did it the most visual way. Like you see, you see the, the hand, hand burn, itching, burn and, do the whole melt and flesh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the 2021 version, you see the palm trees in Arakeen light on fire. Fire. Yeah, and <sighs> like okay. that's his, that's the guy who played Paul in in '84. He he did a good job. He did. Chalamet does a good job nowadays. Like, like you see, you see him smug. He puts his hand in there. There, there's kind of a 
a long pause and then you see his smug kind of turn into a neutral expression then to what the fuck is going on and then when he makes his first like she's like silence and then presses the needle closer you know it was I like the fact in the new movie they didn't do what they did in the sci-fi series and in the 84 movie they put it on his mother reciting fear is the mind killer I will not fear I will let it pass through me all that good shit because in the 84 series he there's an internal monologue while his hands yeah, on fire and he's doing that shit and even yeah, in the sci-fi the series they do it well I, w- I was honestly I was expecting I was expecting that I was surprised to, to have her be the one to voice it out openly but it's still good but I, it made I, more sense to be in that context because she's a, you know pretty much almost guaranteed if he her son's fitting to die. Yeah, yeah. And she's yeah. terrified, and she's using this mantra to find her center and come back through. What did you think of her character? Because I know she's not really explored explored that much in the original movie. She's kind of eye candy. Uh, of Jessica, uh... yeah, and she's she's a little more in depth in the sci-fi series. Yeah, yeah. But not... Um, she gets thought, a lot more weight in this. I thought it was interesting her testing him for the water. Like, she pours him a glass of water, he's like, thank you. No, use the voice. And and then that was another thing that I had read about before I watched it, and then I saw it, and I was like, eh, yeah, I can kind of see that. Like, he... He haphardedly successfully uses the voice to get her to move the water like three inches. Right. Then she realizes what happened and she's and like, she's like, all right, good enough. Hands it back over. And then when, so uh, apologies listeners, um, yeah. if we're going to, if we're zigzagging around, but um, sure she's more than welcome. If she's a fellow Dune mm-hmm. fan, we talk when me and David start a podcast, it can go for like three hours. But you are actually the knowledgeable person on the series in the house who's actually read all the books. I just watched the movies. You used to read them every two years. I used to read Dune every year. <laughs> Anyway, fact, back to the zigzag. Yeah, so um, going back to when they're in the ornithopter and the three Harkonnen agents are sending them out to the desert to die, you know, I, I, I liked that. That I disagree with from Can you hear her? It cuts in and out. <laughs> David's trying to talk while you're talking. <laughs> well, no, I stopped talking because I was trying to listen, but it's still cutting in and out. It's okay. Go ahead. The three Harkonnens and the Ornithopter, how she's bound yeah. and gagged because they realize she's so dangerous, but not him. Yeah, because she has the voice. They know she's been a Jesuit. I don't even know. 
honey, but, honey, but, I, I love you. I can't have three conversations on a recording at the same time. If you would like to be on this, come in and be on it. Chewy's I will take wife. the headphones out and we can do this. Just come here. Chewy's wife, please come <laughs> have this conversation with us. David really wants to talk to people that enjoy and have a knowledge of the film. He wants to have a conversation about it. I've lost her. I think I made her mad. <laughs> oh, she's back. <laughs> we have brought her in. <laughs> we have succeeded. <laughs> the audio for this is probably going to get a little wonky because I'm going to pull the phone out and it's going to be just a uh, speaker. So you may not be able to hear us. Great, David. Okay. So audience, welcome Chewy's wife to the conversation. <laughs> she went to go get her stuff. She'll be here in a minute. But anyway, keep rolling. Oh, Jesus. Please tell me she's not getting her Orange Catholic Bible and her first edition copy of Dune. Signed I, by... If I could find one of those, I would love to get her one, but she doesn't have a first edition to my knowledge. <laughs> but okay, so anyways, so in the Ornithopter, they know that Jessica has to be bound because she has the voice. They right. don't know that Paul has been trained in it badly as it is. Did you pull the cord out? Yes. Okay. So he tries to use the voice the first time. Now, of course, the, the deaf scarred Harkonnen can't hear him. So the one closest to him hears it leans over and smacks him in the face. That's when Jessica gives another hand sign, don't try it. But right. Paul has has the idea that if they land and these Harkonnen are still alive, they're going to be dead or they're going to be dead before they even land. So he tries it again, gets another smack. Jessica's getting even more anxious. That's when the Head Harkonnen, the guy in the pilot seat, drops the uh, landing, landing ramp. ramp. Yeah, landing ramp. And that's when Paul finally uses the voice and tells the nearest Harkonnen to take the gag off his mother, which forever in my head will be, remove her gag <laughs> from, from the Lynch movie. Right. And he and he just he's he's just like, oh, and then she's like, kill him. And everybody dies. Pretty much. Yeah. So there there's a at this point in the movie, there's a a deviation both from the book and from the Lynch Lynch movie and the sci-fi movies. In the book, they just had the Frem kit, which had the still tent, the paracompass, and all that other good stuff. In the Lynch movie, they had still suits and all this and that. And in the 2021 movie, they, you know, Dennis did the right thing. He it was just a Frem kit, plus, you know, Duncan had showed him a paracompass. Gave you know, yeah. You know, showed it, gave it to him. You know, yeah. Um, at at this point, all right. So again, spoiler. Um, during this this trek, all right. So this is oh fuck, mother. 
foot, my other foot, my other foot. All right, so this is before, this is the escape from Arakeen, and they find Kynes at the ecology center, or, you yeah. know, however, however that happens. Um, um, do, um, in this movie, Idaho finds them via a tracking unit, picks them up, they then go to said thing where they meet up with kind. Yeah. And it's, it's not 100% correct because I'm pretty sure now, now Chewie's wife, you're going to, you're going to have to help me on this. It's, it's been a couple years since I read the book. I've listened to it on audio while going to sleep, but um, doesn't Duncan use his shield against a las gun and cause a nuclear explosion when kinds jessica and paul are trying to escape from this little place that they're at because I the do believe followed them. about that in the book there, yeah. there's a nuclear explosion that goes off i don't know i don't recall if he's the one that set it off but i know that there that altercation um is actually yeah they mark they mark his death all the way back in the capital Right. So um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jason Momoa. I, I haven't seen Aquaman, but I've seen Game of Thrones. And um, I'm, I just have to be honest, all the casting for this movie has been on point. The only reason it's not going to it's it's not a a attraction from any of the actors i was thoroughly impressed i think they were all very well cast mm-hmm. when i can't get past dr kynes i cannot do it it is driving me absolutely up the wall now beyond that though i can take a lot of the you know i, I i'm not one of these people that becomes so literally anal that that they it has to be on point at all times i think actually the Many series that came out tried too much to be on point that sometimes mm-hmm. it detracted from the story. Um, this one, it took some liberties. It certainly did. But the only liberty that I saw that I said, okay, wait a minute, that just really should not happen. The whole scope of the you know saga relies on, on this character in a lot of ways. Um, was with Dr. Kynes. I'd be interested to see what comes out of that. The other thing is I was telling uh, telling Matt, Chewie, whatever we're calling him on this podcast. Um, asshole. Yeah, asshole. <laughs> Puck face. <laughs> um, they did not even reference Fade, which is okay. They were not supposed to if they're going by the literary um you know, backdrop at this point in the story fade is not somebody that comes in except for maybe he's mentioned by name, but we don't know who he is yet. Um, right. there has been, uh, th- there's been no uh, contact between, um, what's her name, but the uh, emperor and, and his daughter. There's been no, no uh, political intrigue and sexual tension there. Um, so, so yeah, we don't know who he is and that's okay, but I am going to be, I really liked Raban. Um, Batista does an amazing job. Yes. I think he does. That, that was he very, cast. he does very much. So, all right. So I told Chewie, 
Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll mention this to you. A internet fan favorite for Fade is Stellan Skarsgård's son, Bill. Really? He played it. Uh-huh. I think a better casting would be his other son, True Blood, the Nordic. I agree. At Fade was a beautiful man. That's that's the way he's always described. He's beautiful. He's athletic. He's kind of a, an Adonis, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're Roman, not wrong. Uh, you know, so I, I, I... Undefeated in the slave pits, fighting for some years. Yes, but also, you know, his prowess in the bedroom was well earned by just simple, you know, looks and charm. Um, and it's also, his charm that's supposed to be so disarming about him. Um, and, a, and also he put a poison needle in a slave's thigh for his uncle yes, Ruth, to try to kill him. Yeah, ruthlessness, I'll, I'll grant you, but that's kind of what's disarming about him is that he can be that ruthless and still, um, you know, just just be a predator on on. on uh, a side of, of women and men for that matter. He's a more beautiful version of the Baron. He's not as calculating, but he's on his way. I could oh, see him as, yes. He's definitely not as calculating as the Baron, but he is just as brutal, which the Baron calls him on both in the book and in the sci-fi series, because he's, that doesn't happen in the 84 film, because there's not space for it. But I, I I did enjoy that scene where the Baron calls Fade in is like, what the fuck is this? And he presses the thigh and the needle comes out and is like, I'm worth more to you than that, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but okay, so um so so let's talk casting. Since since we have three people now, this and which is good. So I I am so like I said I'm 100% on with the casting. Um, Chewie's all right. Chewie's all right. What's your name? Chewie's wife. Shay. Shay. All right. So so Shay has a hang up with kinds, which I did as well until I was given a explanation. So Oscar Isaac as Duke Leto. I, I thought he was a was, better version than the guy from 84. I thought he was good. He had the beard. Now, like Chewie said, in 84, we had Jürgen Prock now, who's a German with all the pockmarked yeah. gl- glory of Germans at the time. Um, who, oh, God. Who <laughs> the fr- what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, like you saw, you saw the craters in his face, right? Pockmarked. <laughs> so all Germans in that time period are pockmarked. Got you, David. Love you. I think a lot of Europe was pockmarked around that area. It's not just the Germans, but anyway. Well, yeah. So and then you, um, let's see, you had that guy. He was more. Okay, so here's where he was harsher. But in the book, Leto was harsher to everyone. Now, Shay, I'm, yes. I'm gonna, I'm going to posit this to you. Mm-hmm. This came up in a writers group that I'm in. 
they said pick a movie pick one actor everyone else has to be muppets what's your choice i said patrick stewart as gurney halleck in dune everyone has to be muppets <laughs> i would buy that movie i shipped the fuck out of that we need to start a kickstarter campaign now <laughs> Somebody get Jim Henson Jungin on the phone. <laughs> I can't even think of a proper response to that. <laughs> uh, we could I have got, Mr. I... Teeth as Roban. No, no. Dr. Teeth from the Electric Mayhem could be the Baron. Uh, who would be Roban in that series? Uh, animal. 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 Yes. <laughs> Rah! Rah! <laughs> right. So, so who would be, who would Beaker be? No, Beaker Beaker would be Piter. Yes, yes. Meep, meep, meep. <laughs> Gonzo would be Paul. Because <laughs> he's always on some kind of acid trip and he's there to into weird sexual things with chickens. There's no chickens in Dune, though. No, but there are chicks. <laughs> oh, okay, so... The Madi, the uh, the little rat. desert rat. They never named it, which I thought was they, funny. They didn't, the, but the, but they was, but they did. They they didn't name it, but it showed up, especially especially at the part where the hunter seeker came out to kill Paul. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought like, it was beautifully done, but they they utilized all of this language from the book that has never been in any other uh, visual series that I've seen. And that's fine because of diehard people like me that know what the hell they're talking about. But um, I don't know shit. But then they don't they don't name the desert rat, which you know he doesn't know the name. It's Madi. Yeah, but he doesn't know he's told the name by Stillgard and his people at the naming after he kills what's his name, which I hate that they left that out. That's my point. They never had the entire story about the rat. But when they get to the seat, they will have the naming ceremony when they get it. Are you okay? I'm I'm waiting for my turn to talk because yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said put her on. I, I have no control. I married. It, it's, okay. it, it's it's fine. It's fine. But I I also say that them ending at the death of Jameis was the perfect spot to end for this part because this is the crossover from I'll tell I'm you just one gonna... thing. If they do not yes, you're right about that, but if they do not continue on developing these characters in a sequel before they get back to Paul being a badass. Um, I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to have as much appreciation for number two as I do for number one, because they still had a lot of ster- character creation to do. Well, there's no, a bad you're not, in there. But you're not wrong. Or character development, rather. Well, I think it's going to be like a shonen anime. The next movie is the training arc. <laughs> Well, I mean, when I think about it, there are it's so the many. It's the eye of the tiger. It's the fire <laughs> rising up to the challenge of Harkonnens. <laughs> 
you can see the Fremen just doing all of these really cool moves all of a sudden, you know. The sand walk is dancing right. in the background. The sand walk was interesting. I, I, that that, that was, was actually. I, that was actually a very good uh, something that was not seen in either the '84 or the miniseries. Or described in the book, really. Um, but it was very, it was well done. It was well placed. Um, the uh, another thing that came in, which I do think was in the book, but I don't actually remember. I, it's like I want to remember it in the book, but it's been too long. Was the uh, the palm trees? Um, yeah, and, and I was actually talking to Chewie about that during, so when uh, the Reverend Mother has Paul put his hand in the box of pain, mm-hmm. he, in this movie, he sees the palm trees burning, whereas in the 84 movie, is Chewie okay? As I heard him screaming and then run off. No, there's a cat on the kitchen table on the say, table screaming at the other cat. We have three cats and two of us. You're going to hear a lot of noises that you don't expect. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. So, like, in the 84 movie, we see his right hand just, like, kind of burst into flame and then meld into ash. But in this movie, we see the, um, okay, help me with this, foreshadowing. There we go. Thank you. Foreshadowing of the palm trees burning because that's what happens when the Sardaukar show up. You know, and also, okay. I am I, impressed that you point that out because in my brain, uh, because they, 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 they did that so much during the 84 movie and the miniseries, they, they really focused on, on the pain of the hand, which they should have. Um, I didn't even pay attention to the fact that they did not show what the hand was going through or what he thought that pain was going in his hand. Well, here's my question about that. I don't know if the burning tree was a symbolism for his psychologically fried hand. I think it was a, the frying of his hand was a catalyst for his mental foresight. So when it, when it comes to the test of pain, that is, it's, and and Shay, back me up if if you if we're understanding each other. If if it's a untrained individual who has the gift, the Reverend Mother will come to them, say, "Put your hand in this box," then put the needle to their neck and say, "If you remove that hand, you die." If they remove the hand, they're they're not worthy of the gift, so they get the Gom Jabbar, they die. That that is the Bene Gesserit culling method that has been used for millennia. That's absolutely right. And but part of that, it's not just that the gift, it's not like that he can't use the gift, it's that he doesn't have the control to be responsible with the gift. Right. Um, that, that that was a again, that's something that's that's more out of the books than in any of the other movies, but it was it, he had to have the control to be able to overcome his impulses. And I think that they use the word impulses very specifically there. Um, Because any, any human can feel pain, but a, or any animal can feel pain, but a human can wait in the trap 
That's to right. Kill the trapper. That's right. And remove That's right. that from the races, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and that that probably extends because because Dune takes place in ten thousand one ninety one, so that extends back from the Machine Crusade, you know, the Butlerian Jihad, all all that other. Mm-hmm. Like I, I actually haven't read that far back. Like the furthest back I read was the house, like the house series, like House of Trades, House Harkonnen, House Corno. Yeah. yeah. But but I know of the because it's it said so much in the series. Like, thou shalt not make a machine in the likeness of a human mind. Correct. Because that's what in this time frame they broke from because they were slaves under machines made of a human mind, which is why we have Mentats, Bene Gesserit, the Twisted Mentats, whatever, whatever. I don't know if they're going to even touch on that. Um, it would make sense that they would, but they've gotten away with not doing it in every other series that they've done. So, um, I don't know. I, I think, Chewy, what's that? We started this conversation about casting, right? Mm-hmm. Stilgar. Is he cast? He's cast by a Spanish guy, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know who the actor is, but his vocal performance is what really stood out to me in this movie. Okay. He had a, uh, the presence of his voice. Not necessarily his mannerisms did a lot. His physical, the way he carried himself and the way he moved. I would. I just figured something else. I think. But literally, just the timbre of his voice sets a lot of things in play for me with that character of how he talks, his mannerisms, how he talks of a beat-down leader just in the way he spoke. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Knowing, <laughs> what I, knowing what I know of the book, I understand what you're saying. Um, for the 2021 version, yeah. eh, Stilgar didn't seem to... Stilgar was like Willy Wonka. He's like, no, don't go do that blood fight. No, I'll just sit here and watch. <laughs> now the now okay, so since we're talking about that, the thing one of the things that pissed me off was when uh, Zendaya playing as Chani handed Paul the Chris knife. Yeah, she she wasn't like you know Jameis likes to switch his his hand from left to right. She was just like, I hope you give this Chris knife a good death. Like really. What the fuck? Well, it made more sense. I because there was no connection between her and him before that. So she you would figure that, yeah, he's a good fighter, he's my friend, we've been through thick and thin, he's had my back, you're an outsider. Yeah, I'm yeah, if you know, I'm rooting for that person, not you. <laughs> yeah, but then why give her this knife? 
Because it's a ceremonial fight, it's a ceremonial weapon, and you would want your friend, if he was to die, to die by a ceremonial knife and not some off-war shit. Okay, so Shay, hold your thought. Sorry. I'm, I'm I'm not trying to be all, like, Emperor's Hammer, bleh. But, um, Chewie, you're not wrong, but that's not how Fremen culture works in the book. I never read the book. You need to. I don't like to read. It makes my head hurt. I I used to think the same way, but then I started reading and it was like I took a tab of LSD and everything opened to me. He he has he has severe dyslexia. Well, that anyway. would uh, that would uh, okay. So, all right. So, Chewy, listen, listen to the audiobook. Well, they actually fact, have a link on fucking YouTube that's eleven hours long, so I might listen to that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I sent you that. That's the Akira the Dawn version of playing out Dune. And there's two of them. They're both 11 hours long. So yes, listen to it. It's uh, it. Dune is a very. So so Shay, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Dune is one of the seminal uh, sci-fi stories of the mid nine uh, mid to you know 60s. the mid 1900s. Gonna say, yeah, I I can think of very few others that that um, would. John Carter of Mars. No. Well, yeah, you know, the the John Carter of Mars is a good one, but also Foundation, Isaac Asimov. Um, yeah. Lord of the Rings, but that's I fantasy. Yeah, I was gonna say, not not the right John. There are very few in the sci-fi genre that I would definitely point to. Um, doing a certain one, if not the, the top one. Um, what I was going to say earlier before my brain got shut off um, was that, well, we were talking about Stilgar, and um, mm-hmm. while I totally disagree with Matt in terms of... Well, thanks how he's presented in fact i think i think he uh he came across as as a quite capable leader somebody that is rather dismissive of other leaders first of all um from other cultures and um chewy chewy (laughs) was very authentic in his own culture but well as much as i praise him for his casting and for his his impression of that character I was not impressed with Gurney Halleck. What? Why? Okay. No, no, no. No, no, no. You have to oh, have Gurney oh, Halleck throughout the entire should... freaking series and right now he seems like a Wow. Shots fired. Bombs dropped and shit. Roland is good in this. All right. So, help me. No, uh, I'm I'm going to help you but only just Chewy. I, I do I do believe Bronin was a a capable Gurney Halleck. 
Um, he doesn't get the. All right, so Shay, you you remember the the sword fight, and okay. uh, and we join each other in death. That that's that's like one of my that's like my top one iconic Dune shit that I that I love so much. See, but um, Gurney Halleck was not just a, a warrior. Gurney Halleck was an old warrior who also had a soul, which is one of the only reasons why he was attractive to, um, in terms of friendship, to uh, Paul's mother. Uh, I mean, because Gurney he could Halleck, play, like he could play the balisette, he could sing songs, he could. Yes, he was throat. as much a, yeah. a philosopher as he was a warrior. Um, he yeah. he had enough age upon him in order to do it. I have not seen his depth yet. All I've seen is him being a commander and trying to kick Paul into shape. Well, he's he's. If you look at the eighty four and Sir Patrick Stewart, mm-hmm. there's Which nothing would be, different. He'd be the only character I'd have in my live action remake of Dune with Muppets. So yes, okay. <laughs> Stuart still conveys all the same emotions and same fervor that Gurney does, but if you look at the 84, Gurney is more he has more screen time, he has more lines, he has he is given more time to develop. They took that time from Gurney in this movie and gave it to Momoa's characters. I agree, but again, that's why I'm saying yeah. is that if the second installment does not have a heck of a lot more character development, I'm going to be disappointed because and some of they these characters also, are essential. No, all right, okay. So and they chewy, also, chewy. if you look at the sci-fi series where the pacing was more drawn out and there's more time on Arrakis for everything goes shit balls. There is the whole. The meeting where the emperor actually comes, and there's a you know exchanging of the guard before everything. They send the attackers and all this other good shit, and you see Gurney in more of the entertaining light of intrigue and speech, and he has the balladeer with, and he does all that in the sci-fi series, and he has more time to expand as a character. They even do that in the '84 movie. I'm in right, uh, right, okay. I okay. know you're impatient, but chewy, chewy, ah. chewy. Anyways. Anyways, so so Gurney in the in the book, he he was a a swordsmaster of the Caladan of the Caladan regime. He was also a music maker. He was awesome on the Balisette. In fact, uh and I and it was my my friend that Chewie likes to mock, respectfully so. But okay. there was there was there was the uh, the dinner, and I, and I forget if it was on Caladan or if it was on Arrakis. But the Duke was like Gurney, yes, my lord, play us a song, I and he fun. would and he would take in a deep breath and play on the balisette. So yes, Gurney was. Gurney was a well-rounded man of the Atreides. He could sing a song. He could slit a throat. He could shoot a las pistol. He could do all this other fucking shit. 
was that was on Arrakis. That was during the great banquet where the emperor showed up for the trade off, so they could be his I... daughter and all that other good shit. Yeah, because that's where you get introduced to his daughter. Right. Okay. Good. That's good. All right. Okay. The one guy that watched the movies knows some shit, ladies and gentlemen. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you very much, you book reading fox. Ah, I win. He usually does, you know. <laughs> mm, well, you know, I'm since this is my podcast, and I'm crossfaded because I've partaken of Delta Eight and Alcohol. So yes, he'll just edit it out later. So I lose. Okay, good. <laughs> mm. Okay, but um, so Shay, I think you uh, I think it was you that brought up uh, Kynes's bullshit and and that that was no, that was that me. Was, I thought that was shite the way Kynes died. I have to agree yeah. that I don't think it was shit, but um, it was shit. In comparison, again, there was a whole lot of symbolism that went on in the mini series, and the way he died there, it was going, it was meant for him to basically be part of of the Arrakis. He he was going to be part of of the life cycle of the planet. He was going to um, be part of the force, right? So what it, it, whatever you you want to call it. Um, in this one, it just—it's like they just did away with that and tried to make it a more uh, photogenically exciting movie um, for those that don't know what they're watching. Well, so so like I like I told Chewy, like she she tried to escape out of the out of the rock. Mm-hmm. She pulled some shit out her back and then flicked it, and then I was like, oh shit, are those worm? Are those worm tools? And then she set a thumper down. Well, I thought that she was calling the worm. She was. Well, she in the movie she was, but in the book, that's not how that happened. None of them is how that happened in the book. It's not, but it uh, okay. So it's not, but it was still. I'm going to say it was still awesome. As as someone who is a hundred percent fan of the book and would love a one hundred percent retelling, it was it was still awesome. But <laughs> like like really, she she gets stabbed in the back by a Sardaukar. Really, mm-hmm. well, that yeah. that, that's that's I lazy. I will say writing. one thing about that scene, which I thought was interesting symbolism, and I don't think anybody noticed. She <laughs> was stabbed. The water spit That's from true. her instead of blood. Well, it's her. It's her. But I thought that was really neat instead of, you know, having a visceral blood splot. It's like, oh, yeah, water is life. Good point. Very good point. Indeed. I wasn't so, bothered. Um, by her death, I wasn't bothered by them leaving that part out. I, you know, there's certain things that I just don't care about. Her not being um, male, male is is what's bothering me. Her not being Cheney's dad is what's bothering. He's Cheney's mom. So I mean, all right, all right. So I I originally had this problem 
myself huh? as hey, I'm, I'm talking directly to you because Chewie, I've talked to you about this already. Right. So I was I was like, why why the fuck are they making the lead Fremen of a female when the lead Fremen was actually a male? But then my friend was like, well, do you know what she did to make herself the lead Fremen? And I was like, no, no. I don't. That's actually interesting. All right, I'm down for this. So that's why I was 100% for this new adaptation. Because if if this if this black female kinds was this fucking awesome to uh, become in charge of all the Fremen on Arrakis, a Fremen warrior is Chani, which you know we know us who have read the the book know that Chani is actually Liet's daughter. Right. I'm I'm actually okay with that. And I was okay with that and I'm still okay with that. So she must uh I, I hope there's a story that shows where uh what's her face Brewster shows how much of a badass Fremen she can be to make herself the lead Fremen of all Arrakis. I think Just that you and your friend have beautiful minds to think all that up, but until I actually see it on the film, I'm going to be going, what the fuck? I really don't understand. <laughs> I want to make sure that they know, that they understand that this is important. You can't just throw out anything because you want a certain look of something or you want a certain feel of something. There are certain things in that book that are just, you, you can't it goes all the way through. I, I keep on interrupting my own thought because I'm half eating and half listening to you. Um, Kynes is a character who's at, who embodies a spirit that has an effect on every single person that comes after. It doesn't matter yes. what it is, whether they, they are, um, yeah, you're rooting for them or not. Kynes' spirit, for lack of a better word, his intentions for the planet, whether good or bad, are what you're, are what we're talking about. Now, Jamie, right. her children, okay, are important. All of these, all of these married uh, soap opera like. Uh, uh, relationships that these people have all of that matters it and it goes back to the Benny Jesuit again you're talking about they have figured out how to plan all of these engagements out they did not expect this they did not expect Paul not on this generation anyway right and which everybody's which, wrong about who he is okay I have one thing to say about this kind's Fiasco. Mm. The 84 movie. What? What about Does it? Does anybody remember anything about the 84 movie in Kynes? He's only in it for like 10 minutes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And and he was also his 
still suit was ripped open and he was tossed out of an ornithopter into the desert with right. uh but some... you never see him die in the 84 movie and you don't find out that he's any relation to her until it is said that they found his bones near a spice blow and none of this shit with the water of life or the underwater, the, the sudden gardens or any of that shit is brought up at all. The 84 movie was sick. Once you read the books, it's like, I can't even watch it very seriously anymore. Not that I could very seriously back then anyway, because it was, you know, trash. Yeah. But, um, Sting was an interesting uh, addition to that. <laughs> he was chewing the was- scenery. I, I'm he just was, He was there, the Hond blot, Hond blot, hot. God damn it, hot blonde addition to Dune in '84. When you have Sir Patrick Stewart and Sting in the same sci-fi movie, somebody is on drugs. That's all I'm saying. Well, it is. It is. It's all about drugs. Anyway, it, I cannot look at the books and then look at that movie and see much in terms of correlation of, of the depth of the story that was there. Okay. Here's the thing with comics. Nothing changes just because you change yourself. Nothing. She can still be a part of the group of people who were trying to transform the southern polar region who had the plan to keep the spice bribes going to keep the satellites out and uh-huh. fell in love with a Fremen warrior, had a young and popped out Johnny. Nothing changes, just the, you know, there's not a dick on her now. Why are we so certain that that's Gianni? Okay. Great aunt. You've been it's- tied into this great aunt shit since she said that crap at him. It was given to me by my great aunt. No. That would make good symbolism. No. Okay, so, so, no. Um, so historically, Chani is Kynes's daughter. Yes. So now, if Kynes is a black woman, and she falls in love with a Fremen warrior, Chani is now a half black daughter. Malala, of- which that woman is not. Okay. This is the thing that I got involved with you last night. If you look at the Fremen, they're no different than most African cultures or Middle Eastern cultures. You have darker people, you have lighter people. Okay, but she She isn't even black in any of that. She is part Hispanic. You are taking the actor's ethnicity into the conversation and that doesn't matter. They made it an issue when they changed her not only into a woman, but a very dark woman, which she has never been before. That being said, I applaud them for including all kinds of races, especially among the Fremen. I think that that was beautifully done and I'm, I'm glad they finally said, you know what? This is a whole different planet we're not going to go by the societal rules of modern culture in america Um, okay so what was the problem with zendaya again she's not black enough for lack of a better comment she's not black enough her actual race is okay chewy 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 shay what's the problem (laughs) with zendaya if she is 
her mother or some relation to her and they somehow again they make that leap of character development i will be okay with it i will say huh that was interesting i wonder why they had to change that character but whatever and go ahead with it they have not done that yet in this movie that is what is irritating me and to top it off if she is going to be a relation of some kind Frankly, I don't see the resemblance. There is nothing yet for somebody to say, oh, obviously that person is related to that person. That makes more sense now. Whereas in the books, their lineage always matters. This is something that has been planned. It is something that has always been trying to, uh, somebody's always trying to control it. Who begets who begets who. I can't believe I married a racist. It's not, oh, dear God, you have <laughs> Okay. All right. So, so Shay, I'm glad you you made it a who begets who begets who. So you remember who Jessica's grandfather is, right? Absolutely. He's a, she's a harconic, and that's only ever made any kind of inroads was in the sci-fi series. It doesn't matter what what uh, faction of this movie that you're going on, though. The reality is, is that. As much as they tried to hold together some kind of semblance of control over who was brought up to be in power, that control didn't work. Um, it, human choices came into play. Human spirits came into play. Human love came into play. So anyway, going back again, that's my only issue with Kynes. It's not that she was a bad actor. It was not that she didn't play the role she was given very well. It's that they have not ex explained to me how that relationship exists. And without that relationship, I see no... They're, they're throwing away a huge part of the story if they do not have that relationship explained. Uh, uh, <laughs> Chewy, should I tell her? Go ahead. Shay, this is kind of the reason why I really like you because of the whole kind shouldn't be black thing. Okay. But for for the case and and maybe I'm selling out, but maybe for the case of this twenty 21 movie, I can understand it. I think my biggest problem, and this is probably my issue, I have just been invested in this story for a long time, probably, you know, what, 15 years, 20 years, that I, I, I have been building upon my knowledge of this story. And, huh. I, and I, I am just not seeing the leaps that I want to yet. And, and that may be because I'm used to seeing them all together, you know, visually on the screen. I can watch them at whatever pace I want to. Um, but I'm not seeing it yet. I okay. do have my hopes that I will see it. And I'll be interested to see, again, how well done that is. But if I don't see it, I, I have a, I'll have a connection bit. All right, so dare I ask, elaborate. Of a conniption bit? 
Matt will, will get to get to hear me pretty much go off about this one particular problem with it uh, for quite some time. Will I still be able to enjoy it? If it's on this caliber, probably. But I will, again, this is where, where it's just so much of the literary or the, the uh, what do you call it, uh, manga, the, the background of this story that I know that I expect to have them honor. And, um, yeah, yeah. Mm. it will happen if they do not honor a huge part of the story arc. Well, I believe they're going to honor the story arc. I don't think anything's really changed just on this one character. I don't know. Liette's uh, character had everything to do with, again, you're going back to the whole reason why um, they start to change Arrakis. Um, they were tired of getting sand in their underwear. No, oh, well, yes, but, to but, to be to be fair, they've been trying to change Arrakis long before the Harkonnen took the fief over. That's true, but it was his vision of you know acquiring all of these wells and whatnot around um, so that they could you know make a paradise of the place. Um, that that drove them to do a lot of the acts that they did. Um, I don't know. His character, it's just interesting to me that somebody that, uh, first of all, he could move between both worlds. So he told the viewer that it was possible to see things from different perspectives. But he also understood things uh, from, from both a scientific and a spiritual uh, perspective. So wait, we're talking. We're things. talking about the. We're talking about the Quizzed's Hatterack right now, right? Yes. Obviously, all of these lessons that he, and and we're never gifted with watching him, you know, bring up uh, Chani and 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 explain to her all of these things there. But it's it's kind of a a given that she learned at his knee, his vision. Um, and so that her, I mean, it drives her as well. Um, that, that's her father. Um, Mother. And there's, there, there is a special relationship that exists. I am a woman um, between father and daughter. And it is different between mother and daughter. And again, I haven't even seen them have any sort of affection or, or, or anything like that, I would like a, I would like a, a, a backlash or something to, <laughs> to let me know why this relationship is important because it is for the rest of the freaking story, the kids that come later, that the, you know, all of the strife that ends up happening after the world changes. By the way, I was wrong earlier. Were you? The gentleman that played the Baron in the sci-fi series is Ian McNeese. Yeah, he was wasn't he? In, he was in Rome. Uh, I don't know. No, 
There's no A movie on his IMDb. Okay. But he was in Rome, the series, as uh, the uh, Herald. Okay. Well, we've we've definitely gotten off of topic now. Having gone... uh, Well, this is my podcast, of course. (laughs) It's kind of the running I'm sure gag. I'm glad that glad that you can hold him in line. <laughs> Who's he? What's his who? What and who? Where? What now? What? 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 <laughs> his brain bounces off the walls, and if somebody else is not there to say, "Okay, let's get back to what we were talking about here," <laughs> I go where the conversation flows. No, you go where your brain flows. You weren't even listening to us. You were looking online. These are lies. All lies. Well, to be fair, I do the same thing. <laughs> do you have a wife? Yes. Did Shall she just ask if I? Did she just ask if I have a wife? Yes. Yes, I have a wife. She's smarter than me. They usually are. She also uh, has liver disease. My prayers so, to her. So there is that, but um, if you. I'm wait, wait, what? What now? What? 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 I said my prayers to her, and then I said, "And to you." Ah, gotcha. Much appreciated. Um, but Chewy, Chewy, Bye. stop me from Chewy, stop me from doing what I'm thinking of doing. Do it now. Stop me. Uh, what? Are, what are we? What am I stopping you from doing? You're just stopping me from doing anything. Do it now. Uh, okay. One plus one is six. Figure it out. Again, bouncing off the walls. <laughs> he requires a firm hand every now and again. This is not a sex thing. <laughs> Who says it's not a sex thing? This is a podcast about doom. We're not doing Baron Hakono freaky things on this thing right now. But anyway. Yes, we did not get to see the Baron's sexual nature in this one. Um, I'm actually glad about that. Yeah. I really am. Did it make you but, uncomfortable? Well, it was the time period it was wrote, it was just homosexual equals evil. And they painted that very well, which is bad, but they painted that very well. <sighs> Okay, so homosexual, I I don't care who you fuck, as long as it's not a child. And and the Baron would do both. I think Baron, (laughs) at least in terms of the book, they painted him more hedonistic than anything else. Yes. He he was one for many vices. That was his main folly. He didn't have control over his own. Desires. Which again is one of the reasons he was not to be because it had a, had, had a, a wreck. Wreck. Sorry. Yeah. 
you know, if you, from what I know of the books, uh, there's a site visit to his home planet, and they say, you know, it looks run down and shabbily and dirty, and everything's falling the fuck apart, except for him and his inner circle that he keeps well fed and well fucked and everything else. Because he wants to, he's a greedy man. He wants to exalt himself above anything else. And he wants to use, you know, the avenues that he has to control the people around him through his money and his connections. Of he, you know, kind well, of like Epstein. Well, that just sounds like uh, colonism. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say Trump. I didn't, I didn't say it. Well, ignore it. I said Epstein. No, <laughs> well, he did say Epstein. Um, so I, I for one, do not support Trump personally. We're not However, on my podcast. We're not talking about politics. We're not on my podcast. We're not talking about politics. We're on my podcast, and we can say whatever the fuck we want to say. My mom raised me not to talk about politics or religion unless it's brought up by somebody else. And I just did a boo <laughs> By law, Kaitha. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to my orchard. <laughs> what did you think of the Baron's uh, suspenders in this one? Um, you asking me or are you asking your wife? It's posed that me and her had a disagreement because she said something about someone said online he flew with the power of spice. I'm like, no, the metal things in his spine are his suspenders. Every time he takes off from the ground, they glow red before he goes up. So, no, uh, the Baron is not propelled by spice. That's the Holtzman yeah. field generator. Right. It's attached to his back in this one. Okay. In the original 84 movie, it was like a bodysuit he was in that had the things on the belt. And then there now, was a chair in the sci-fi series in a couple spots. And then there was the red suspender getup he wore that you could actually see in like the uh, rope, the fade poison needle scene from the series. Yeah, um, what I what I was surprised about in the 2021 movie was how he floated from his table to kill Yui. And then just like kind of float to the edge of the table where Leto was butt fucking ass naked. And Vladimir was just holding a knife like like, okay. hey, what what are we gonna do about this shit? And then Leto was like <laughs> I still don't know. From that cutscene, I don't know how he freaking survived. I, the I don't shield know. generator is what to say. Yeah, he, right. So, so it's she. not supposed to. No, it's energy. So, what happens is yeah, any yeah, biological yeah. contaminant goes through it, it chewy, helps chewy, kill it out, and then he floats through the ceiling to get away from it. <laughs> chewy? Shit. Yeah. Shit. 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 What yeah. he did 
what he did was he tapped that thing on his middle finger that brought up his shield generator. Like, like yeah, Chewie, like, like, like Matt slash Chewie slash my boy had said. <laughs> and for example, so, there's ways that you can get through the field generator in order to stab somebody. I don't think a poison gas that kills an entire freaking room would have been, you know, something if, he could have survived. If you watched and paid attention, when the gas comes out, you literally see the generator start going red. Of course it does. Because the particles are slowly going through the field, but since it's an electrified grid, or it's some kind of ionized force field, or some shit, it's depleting it, the it's, particles effectiveness and burning them out. It still fucked him up. They just didn't kill it. Y'all are making things up. Making Holy things. shit, dude. I see a white fucking roach on my fucking table. Okay. Tell me if I tell me if I made that shit up. You're fine. It's it's in it's in North Carolina. It's eight hours away. You're okay. I have freaking nightmares over white roaches now. She's oh, she's focused with cockroaches. Even though she okay. married. <laughs> All right, Shay, Shay. What? Hang, what? hang on, hang what? on. No, hang on. T- no, no. Don't. You're gonna do the Naruto gesture, and then you're gonna slide that shit away. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there was that. God damn it, tree! What the fuck was I talking about? Shield generator. Poison gas. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So, in... Oh, my God. In in the movie, when... I I think this was the... Either the first or second time I started crying. When Oscar Isaacs is like, Here I am, crunch. Here I remain. And I was like, oh my god, he died. Fucking oh. Duke Leto died. No. What was the other time? Do you want me to tell you all the times that I fucking cried over this movie? Next times. I like you. I want Which? to pet your head right now. It'll be okay. Well, my head is bald. That's okay. I can pet a bald head. It'll still be okay. Besides, I can put my cats on their head and it won't be bald anymore. Ruth! Chewy, should I tell her about Smoosh? It's a cat. You've got a Smoosh? I've got a Smoosh. A Smoosh? I've got a Smudge. I'm trying to grow smudge, but it doesn't want to fucking grow for some goddamn reason. <laughs> I've I've got like uh, when I went out and checked when I brought the trash cans back, there's like four full sage leaves. Um, I'm I'm just irritated. That's why I have stabby, pointy, bludgeony weapons. So and you're going off on a rabbit hole that has nothing to do with the conversation. 
come back. You know, when he starts being the driver, there's a problem. <laughs> come back. <laughs> we were having a conversation about poison gas and shield shield generators, not gas. No, but then I asked a question. See, I did this. I got him off track. <laughs> this is my fault. Are you still there, sir? I'm still here. Okay. I'm just I'm just looking at the options to press. Should I press A to do this or should I press B to do that? What have we have an old Robin Williams routine? Which one? Uh it's from the seventies where he's talking about the inside of a comic's mind. Okay, um, start 17 um, comic program A1. No, no they're no, not going chewy. for it. Go for B2. Chewy, chewy, shh, shh. The, Sorry. My, my best Robin Williams one was, I have spoose. It's sperm and moose. And I put it in my hair. Now it's spoose. <laughs> That's how something about Mary got made. <laughs> I just had a vision of her boobies. What? It, there's... <clears throat> Remember when you ran away and I got on my knees and told you not to leave because I'd go berserk? Well. <laughs> David. You left me anyhow, and then the days got worse and worse, and now you see I've gone completely out of my mind. And. Well, she's quite entertained. <laughs> They're coming like... to take me away, haha. They're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee, haha, to the happy farm where life is beautiful all the time, and I'm happy to see these men in their green white coats and they're happy to take me away. <laughs> My mother does a uh, rendition of this and I find it hilarious. You've got to understand my mother is a very proper woman for the most part, but every now and again she just busts out into song. This is one of them. Oh, he, he, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so I my my mother and father had this as a tiny uh, record for Napoleon the Thirteenth, and that's how I know of that song. I, I don't want Chewy to think that I'm not respecting him or anything because it sounds like he was like oh my god why the fuck is he doing this no also, I just know what part of the podcast we're in right now <laughs> holy shit he's not wrong so let's go back let's go back Next time we do this, I really should have rum too. Well, we can start a third podcast, David. Drunk casting to David Shay and Jew. He will rule the show if he gets drunk. That's all there is to it. It's uh, um, you, yeah. Chewy has has she dealt with me when I was drunk and high? No, this is her first time. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> to the funny farm where life is beautiful <laughs> all the time, where I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their green white coats. Anyway, sorry. What was that? Yeah. The next time you get this hammered when we're not having a conversation, I want you to like do a ringtone for me. Can you like do that in your best Hamill Joker? <laughs> be happy to see those nice young men in their green white coats, and I'll be happy to see you taking them away. <laughs> you just hurt my throat. <laughs> <laughs> David does a pretty good hammer. But anyway. Oh, I'm sorry, Batman. I didn't mean to hurt your throat. Maybe. <laughs> I'm a little silly if you don't understand. <laughs> How was that? Um, that was great. Shay, how was that? You seem a little... She went to get meds, dude. Her stomach's bothering her. Mm. You're very talented, sweetheart. I feel wanted now. Yes. Ah. It keeps me around the ego affirmation. You don't stroke my ego. He's Never. actually right about that. I don't Never. Because it gets inflamed. I like it when it gets inflamed. I know. Oh, that reminds me. A completely different topic. Mm. Do you have access to like Crunchyroll or Hulu or Funimation? Hulu and um, HBO Max. That's how I watched Dune twice in the same day because it was awesome. Well, I don't know Hulu Max works because mine doesn't. I have HBO through Hulu, but it doesn't the streaming shit. Anyway, um, I found it's an old, it's a new anime, but it's based on an old book, an old light novel. It's called Madoku Tensei, which is the jobless reincarnation. I found me in this fantasy realm. Basically, if I got reincarnated with a kid with all of my, you know, proclivities as of right now, it's funny as hell. I think you'll like it. I have a podcast for you to listen to, sir. What would that be? It's guess, Hello from the Magic Tavern. Oh, yeah. But yes, I also recommend Time Suck to both of you. I also recommend Is We Dumb and Scared to Death for both of you. Mm. Because well, Shay might like the scary stories that Dan and Lindsay read. I know you and I are going to love the retarded shit that they that Dan and Joe talk about. And then all three of us might like all this crazy cult, 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 or other stuff that Time Suck talks about. 
the time suck guy really should be paying David like the royalties. Mitches <laughs> his time suck on either his podcast or mine. You really need to call this dude and tell him that you need like you know getting paid for this shit. Maybe he'll give you a spot and spend payment. You can actually get on time suck. Could oh, Chewy? Could you imagine you and me? Putting well, shit back be- and forth, putting shit back and forth to each other, to Dan, like, hey, we're here to talk about this serial killer cult, and be like, Chewie, I bet you could kill more of them motherfuckers than I could, and Chewie, <laughs> you'd be like, be like, no, nah, you couldn't, no, 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 I couldn't, you could, be like, nah, fuck you, Chewie, you could kill many more of them and then you'd be like nah I can't and I'd be like I bet you could kill 20 of them and then you'd be like nah 30 and I'm eh. yeah I've thought of that David. shit David no I'm trying to reach the person inside the crossfade in Delta 88 compound are you still there sir it's not 88 it's Delta 8 Yes, I'm I think still you here. Took two doses. What? That makes it 88. <laughs> no, I, no, I just, I just drank more beer. <laughs> well, we've been running this for an hour and 42 minutes, not counting the other two disjointed links that you've got in here, and okay. you are smother fried, and my love. 